0: Friends of God, what a week it has been. For the past few days, we've woken up and seen or read the news of Ukrainians crowded into subway stations, not to go to work, but rather to stay underground, praying their lives will be spared. Lord have mercy. We've read of forced family separation as, I think it's 18 to 65 or 60 year old Ukrainian men are being required to stay and, and fight to defend their cities and lots of women are choosing to stay, too, and while other women and children and older senior citizens are streaming to Poland and Slovakia, Moldova, Hungary, Romania, completely unsure of their future. Poland alone is planning for one million refugees. Lord have mercy. We've seen with our own eyes nightly bomb blasts and and missile strikes. Lord have mercy. Suddenly, the entire remaining population, including prisoners hastily granted pardons, have been recruited to be part of the Ukrainian National Guard, handed AK-47s. Guns are everywhere. Lord have mercy. We've heard of sanctions being planned to be used as weapons, which I still think sure beats guns and bombs, but we remember the way that sanctions so decimate the public, not Saddam Hussein, for example, in Iraq after the first Gulf War. So Lord have mercy on the people for whom the sanctions hit the hardest, the poor. I've been reminded by friends from Africa and from the Middle East that wars and uprisings like the one in Ukraine happen often, and major superpowers like Saudi Arabia are often involved in those totally imbalanced conflicts such as the one in Yemen, and the world doesn't seem to pay attention, and we should seriously ponder what our absent eyes and hearts are all about in so many situations. But today, suffice it to say, our eyes are open to the horrors of what happens when an autocratic despotic ruler I'll buy it on a complicated world stage, and we better be clear that it's complicated and better learn about that and not jump into automatic propaganda. Complicated world stage decides to accomplish goals through military invasion in, in 2022. And to think that the last time we saw Vladimir Putin in public was just four weeks ago, dressed in a winter parka, watching the world peace theme play out at the opening ceremony of the Olympics in Beijing. Lord, have mercy. Today is Transfiguration Sunday. It's the last Sunday before we begin our Lenten journey with Jesus that gets us to Holy Week. And it's fitting that Transfiguration Sunday happens at this moment in our church year because, well, in the gospel, the story is similarly placed. Just before starting the journey to Jerusalem, where Jesus would experience unspeakable violence and death, and where it would seem that God was not in control, Jesus took three key disciples, Peter and James and John, away to a mountaintop. He led them to witness a whole new level of the depth of the mystery between their Messiah teacher, Almighty God, and God's past and future plans for human history. Jesus' face was changed, his clothes were radiant, ancient prophets who guided Israel's past, Elijah and Moses, they suddenly appeared. If it hadn't been evident before, it was now totally evident that Jesus was a fulfillment or continuation of God's direct engagement with the world. It was so good up there, surrounded by glory, that Peter asked if they could stay on the mountain with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And sometimes people need moments like this. You've probably had moments where you need something like this. Moments that transcend the chaos of now or the chaos that will inevitably come so that those in trouble can hold on to the fact that God is bigger, God's mysteries are more profound than we could ever have imagined. In that spirit, I share this new poem from Reverend Irina Kim Eubanks, a PCUSA pastor in California that I, I saw this week. We can't bear what we see, a prayer for transfiguration, upon the news of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. God of transfiguration, you bring us to the mountaintop, You invite us to witness oddities and mysteries, sights we could not imagine, glory we cannot deny. So dazzle us now. Oh, how we need you to dazzle us now. When all we see are images of missiles flying, explosions flashing, cars fleeing, people sheltering, masses huddling, afraid to look up at the sky, keep us awake. Help us keep watch and believe you have something new to offer us, that what we see in front of us is not all there is. Bring an end to this violence. Topple the reign of tyranny. Transfigure our despair into a rational hope, for we are barely clinging to the belief that change is possible. Remind us of your transfiguring power, for we cannot bear what we see much longer. Amen. There is real hope, friends found in the God in whose presence Christ was transfigured in glory. There is real hope found in a God who just weeks later resurrected this same Christ and then took him up in ascended, transfigured glory to dwell in the heavenly realm. There is real hope in these things. There is real hope in transfigured glory, and I hope God gives glimpses of clear sightings, especially to those who, in the midst of chaos, desperately need such sightings now. But to me, it would be inappropriate to speak only of that kind of transfigured glory on a day like today. We cannot stay on the mountain this Transfiguration Sunday. A transfigured, safe, arrived, aha moment is not the totality of the message needed. It's important, indeed essential, but it's just the beginning. Jesus didn't want his disciples to stay set apart, surrounded by glory too long either though it was sure tempting to do so, as you heard in the text. And as I said previously, Peter, up there in the presence of the transfigured Christ, suggested, let's just build some tents or altars or whatever they are and stay up there. And then in response, a voice from the cloud quickly said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And the chosen one almost immediately led them down the mountain and back to the people. And I think, friends of God, if we didn't get back down the mountain today, Back to the messiness of the world, we would not have a relevant reflection for Transfiguration Sunday this week of Russia's incursion into Ukraine. Nobody there can safely get to a mountaintop for a set-apart time with the transfigured one. They need faces of glory that meet them where they are hunkered down in bombed-out buildings and subway stations. Though we didn't read all the way to the end of the Gospel narrative in, in Luke 9, the Transfiguration story ends with Jesus and his disciples at the bottom of the mountain And immediately engaging in a difficult exorcism, with Jesus rebuking the unclean spirit and freeing a child. He was no longer glowing with the particular transfigured face and clothing from the mountain, but his actions glowed. And you can bet the child's parents could have cared less if he glowed up on a mountain. They they liked his look right then as they healed his child. His way of life glowed, and we're told all were astounded at the greatness of God. However, whatever was happening, they saw it as a God thing. Jesus had been healing diseases and exercising demons for months now, but I wonder if Peter, James, and John, in light of what they'd just experienced with the transfigured Christ on the mountain, could, for the first time maybe, recognize that Christ's way of living day-to-day in Galilee was actually an outgrowth and expression of a consistent glory, glory directed toward the healing of the world. At that exorcism, Jesus first expresses exacerbation that his followers hadn't been able to, to drive out the demon from the child. How much longer must I stay with you? And I think he's saying, By now, friends, you should be seeing that you have the power to heal and free. You who follow me, especially who just saw me transfigured, you could take on demons. But they were still not yet sure. Are you sure, friends? that when you act in faith you are empowered by the glory of God that has been revealed to you and that has entered you. The Apostle Paul was sure and in his second letter to the church in Corinth he clearly clearly says to disciples there, even disciples who he often struggled with in day-to-day stuff, if you remember my sermon from a few weeks back, he still says that they're in a better position than Moses to shine consistently with the glory of God. And he expresses it like this. He starts by recalling the story of Moses as he came down the mountain after encounter with God, 2,000 years before the time of Jesus, or 1,500 at least. And that story from Exodus 34 goes like this. Moses went up to receive the commandments from God. And when Moses came down, his face was shining, and he wasn't aware of his own glow. But he was shining, for he'd been in the presence of God. And Aaron and some other priests were afraid when they saw him. When Moses realized what was going on, he said, don't be afraid, my face is shining because I was with God and I've got commandments from God to give you. He shared those commandments with his face shining. And when he finished and when the aura of God's presence had worn off, the text in Corinthians says the glory had come to an end, he put on a veil. Side note, I really do want to know what Moses' veil looked like. We're told he put on a veil so that nobody would be confused and think that he was still in a state to speak God's definitive word. For some reason, in my memory, I'd always remembered the veil as being a thing that Moses kept on because the people were scared of his radiance. But no, the veil's for the complete opposite purpose. Moses kept the veil on except right after the mountain encounter with God. Later in the same passage, He kept the veil on except right after he walked out of the tabernacle after talking to God. He'd come out, share God's instruction, and then put the veil on again. Why? Moses said, because sometimes I'm in God's glory and have authority, and sometimes I'm not in the role of messenger or holy presence. When that's the case, I want to be covered up. I don't want them to be looking to me for divine guidance if if it's not there. That's kind of humble, actually, on Moses' part. But that's not where Paul goes with it. That's the Exodus 34 account that Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians 3. Leading up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul was empowering church members there in Corinth to be bold in their faith when facing adversity, saying, quote, speak as persons sent from God who stand even now in God's presence. 2.17. Knowing those words sounded bold and maybe even boastful, Paul says, look, we should have incredible confidence. But we are not competent of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God. We are ministers of a new covenant, a covenant of the Spirit, and it gives life. Chapter 3, 4 through 6. Friends in Corinth, says Paul, we are not like Moses anymore. We don't put a veil over our face face to keep the people from gazing at the fading glory that is on our once-gloried faces. And why not? Because in Christ glory doesn't fade. Why not? Because we're always in a state of turning to the Lord, because the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When one turns to the Lord, says Paul, the Spirit, the veil, is permanently removed. Friends in the Spirit in Highland Park, this good news is is true for you too. All of us have unveiled faces, and if we were to look in a mirror, when we see ourselves there, we see God's glory reflecting back at us. Living in the Spirit, believe this condition to be ongoing. We, we need never be veiled, for there's never a time when God's Spirit is absent from us. It's a bold claim. To be permanently unveiled, in Paul's assessment, means to be representatives of God's Spirit filled powerful activity everywhere, and anywhere, and always. We're unveiled and full of the Spirit of the Lord on top of mountains, and in the muck and mire. We're able to see the Spirit, the Lord, the glory everywhere, and to reflect it with our lives everywhere. I have one strong disagreement with a translational decision in the NRSV. Many other Bibles agree with my disagreement with it. And it impacts, I think, my interpretation of this message. The text reads... In the NRSV in chapter 3 verse 18, with our unveiled faces, we are all being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. But I don't like this interpretation at all because in the original Greek there is no word that reads degree or level, instead the word glory is written twice. The text literally reads, we are all transformed into the same image from one glory to another glory. I think this means that the Spirit of the Lord that dwells in us moves us unveiled from one site where glory is displayed by the Spirit through us to another site where glory needs to be displayed by the Spirit through us, from glory to glory to glory to glory. We can't escape glory moments anymore, God moments, for those are all moments, one right after the other in every situation. It's not some sort of glory levels or glory ladder, like we get closer. Friends what does this mean for us this week, here in New Jersey? as we think about being faithfully engaged about the war in Ukraine. What does it mean to have unveiled faces? I think for me, even though I appreciate Paul's confidence and boldness, I will concentrate on my unveiled ears and eyes this week and keep my mouth closed. I will listen to everything I can and read everything I can, praying that the spirit might prepare me to respond appropriately as an unveiled follower of Jesus because I don't know enough yet. Maybe my ears and my eyes will help me understand more of the political realities, the geopolitical realities and militarization decisions that have unfolded since the Soviet Union collapsed and understand more about what happened eight years ago with Crimea. And I can become more informed so as maybe to speak out when necessary. Maybe my unveiled ears and my eyes will tell me how to participate in drives for medical supplies and relief funds, and then I can open my mouth about that. Maybe my unveiled mouth will lead me down to the Ukrainian Cultural Center on Easton Avenue to share with their reverends that we have a refugee resettlement program ready and willing to use our authority to open the door for safe passage for any who might need to come here. Maybe I, with my unveiled face and you with yours, will sit and, in gentleness and peace, like we did the other night, hold additional vigils and listening sessions, waiting for the Spirit to guide each of us, that we might hear through each other's words what the Spirit is saying through our unveiled lips. Even in 10 minutes of sharing together, after preparing our hearts with prayer and song the other night, people in a, a rather smallish, Um, vigil space shared such profound things that I hadn't thought of before and I just felt like it's unveiled faces sharing with me. Maybe this week we can with unveiled faces offer healthy space for youth to gather to talk about war and fears of war. I heard the word fear stated earlier and so many are afraid. Maybe this week I will have some new insight born from one of you that needs to be shared with a congress member, or a senator. Maybe this week I will sit alone in the sanctuary and pray by name for Ukrainian and Russian New Jersey friends, while calling to mind the transfigured Jesus, reminding me that God is still sovereign even now. Friends from one glory to another glory. What will it look like for you, dear friends, to live with unveiled faces this week? Will it be your ears? your eyes, your mouth that is unveiled, or all of them? How will you reflect, like in a mirror, the glory of God? I do not wish, friends, to misconstrue the power of you or me to stop any atrocity in Ukraine or Russia. We have to be careful with Paul's bold words. That would, of course, be ridiculous. But just as thoroughly, I do not believe the answer is to live with veiled faces that are gloryless, in any situation. For we have seen the transfigured Christ, and we've been guided by the transfigured, resurrected Christ to live unveiled in the Spirit for the sake of freedom. Thanks be to God. Amen.